The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. Episode number... 225. Four. Four. Next week, next week will be 225. You're pretty good. I, I mean, um, it's been a while. I'll say this, and what I've what I've noticed from a lot of people who've sent us messages lately, Holly, they're mm-hmm. saying things like, I love the fact that you could talk to an author, and then next week you talk to a gold medalist, and then next week you talk to random person that we found on the street who just had an amazing story. Mm-hmm. Loving the diversity, and that's what we're here for, because the cool thing about living your life journey is that you never know how your story will encourage somebody else. You don't have to have author or actor behind your name. Everyone's story is incredible. It's a beautiful journey. And we're just here to share those stories. And we talk about in the hills and valleys of life where you ask that question, why me? Why was I put into this situation? Why am I having to deal with this? And Mm -hmm. our guest for this week, uh, a mutual friend of ours, so friends of a friend, Mm -hmm. we're like six degrees of Kevin Bacon here. Uh, (laughs) Nicole, how are you today? I'm I'm doing pretty good today. Congratulations on the the new nuptials. Oh, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, usually we'll ask the skill testing question, but we'll wait one second. How long have you been married for? We've been married since February this year. So less okay. than a year still. Yeah. Nice. It's a COVID marriage. It is. It was awesome. It was the fastest, cheapest like, <laughs> wedding to deal with. It was, it was great. You got to focus on you and your relationship and not all the fluff. Yeah, which is exactly what I wanted. So I'm like, hey, hey. <laughs> I'm pretty happy <laughs> Okay, so we like to ask this skill testing question, Nicole, because we never know where it's going to go. Who are you and where did you come from? I came from Edmonton, from the Royal Alex Hospital. My mom birthed me there and, <laughs> and I've stayed in Edmonton almost the whole rest of my life. It's been pretty good. I came from a family where it's just my two parents and me and my younger sister, Sammy. We grew up and it was pretty calm, I feel like, for the most part, like we've have a lot of fun together but also it's never been like a crazy household with like eight siblings or anything like that um and then we also grew up very like heavily involved with our church as well we've always done a lot of service like my parents have been really good examples of that and like having a lot of faith within our home so that's definitely helped through like the ups and downs and everything else in life. I like that you were talking about your family and it's just such a, a positive experience growing up because not a lot of people have those stories, but then people are like, oh, my life's so boring. I don't have a story, but that's not true. Everybody has had to explore their own life, their own journey um, and discover who they are in Christ. So growing up in school, let's kind of start there. Uh, what was the big dream? What did you want to be when you grew up? I had no idea. (laughs) I still don't know. I'm still in school. I'm like finishing up my last year of kinesiology at the U of A in Alberta here. Um, Nice. And thanks. And I still have no idea. Like I've been doing practicum interviews this whole week and I have my last one on Tuesday next week. And people keep asking me that too. Like, what's the plan? I'm like, maybe physiotherapy, maybe going into education with an after degree. Afterwards, I'm like still... Not sure. I've always really enjoyed though, like teaching or like the medical field. Hmm. So I've always been leaning towards those with absolutely zero other, I guess, like 
not that I haven't had dreams, but like, I don't know. I'm like, I would love to be a heart surgeon. I guess that was a goal for a little while when I was little. I was like, I'm going to be a heart surgeon and it's going to be awesome. And then I realized like how long it takes to do all oh, that yeah. schooling and how expensive it is. I was like, I'm not going to be a heart surgeon unless I told myself if I don't get married or if I can't have kids, if I'm infertile, then I will be a, a heart surgeon because I'll have like the time to dedicate towards it. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, I'm married, so there's there goes one thing. <laughs> Likely not going to be a heart surgeon. So uh, a big part of your story, though, is is actually of uh, the the last uh, year, year and a half or so. And, and I and I say this before we get to kind of what happened and everything else. Um, you were you you've been married, or you recently got married? How long have you guys? Did you guys meet in high school? How long have you guys together before you decided to uh, take the jump? The story. So, we met in 2017, I'm pretty sure. So my husband's name's Todd. Todd was living in Winnipeg. He was there serving a mission. While he was in Winnipeg, I met every like all of his friends. They lived in Millwoods area, and I was from the north side of the city. When I was in university, I started to meet a lot of people from the south side, I guess, and we became super duper good friends. And then when Todd got home from Winnipeg, he kind of like merged in, back into his friend group that he had from before. Mm. And I met him and he was just like my friend's friend or, you know, like, and I had a lot of friends that were girls that were like, oh, Todd's so cute. I like, I like him. I want to date him. And I was like, okay. Like, so he was, he was just kind of like the guy that my friends were into. Um, <laughs> and I wasn't, I don't know, we're just friends. <laughs> and then I left to Peru for a year and a half. And so we didn't really have a lot of contact. And then I came back. And then all of a sudden he was attractive. <laughs> I was like, okay, like this hog guy, he's pretty cute and he's funny and all this other stuff. And we went on some hikes um, and just spent a lot of time talking to each other and like driving in the same vehicle. Like, and I was just like, man, this guy's fun. He likes to dance in the car and everyone has a good time and he's really reliable in different things. And then when COVID hit at the beginning of 2020, we had both broken up with our previous <laughs> partners at like the same time. And so we, I don't know, we didn't have a lot of other people to hang out with and no one else was doing anything because everything was shut down. So we just started to hang out all the time. And yeah, we were hanging out constantly for just under a year. It was from like March-ish, February, March time until November that year is when we got engaged. So we got engaged November, 2020, and then we got married February, 2021. A nice quick engagement. It was a COVID yeah. love and a COVID marriage. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're like, we know there's no point in waiting for a big party because nothing's probably going to be open anyway. So, sure. mm -hmm. yeah. I love that you guys were able just to know, like, yeah, let's just get married. Let's just do this. Let's start yeah. our life together. But now you have like a post COVID world to look forward to. <laughs> I mean, you'll be able yep. to go to. A restaurant without restrictions <laughs> it's gonna change everything for you are you ready for that like yes and no like I work I just started working at a restaurant a couple weeks ago so I feel somewhat normal even though we all have masks and stuff but part of me wonders like are we ever gonna get rid of them is all this right. just gonna be a new thing if you're an employee you always have to wear a mask or yeah so I'm not really sure it's definitely overwhelming sometimes being around a lot of people though because got sure not very used to that i guess during the last wow it, it, yeah. it's, it's interesting though in the in the last couple of years of everybody wearing a mask i come to the realization that my wife's eyes are brown <laughs> <laughs> i 
kidding. You didn't know before? I'm kidding. Oh, I am going to pray for your wife so much more. I mean, I already was, but. (laughs) So did you guys get to do a honeymoon at all? Uh, Yeah, we went to Banff for like three or four days afterwards. Okay. But I was in school still, so I was like doing group projects <laughs> while he was hanging out in bed playing. <laughs> Honey, let's go skiing. No, no, no. I got to finish this project. Yeah, yeah. Like, wait, just like like ten more minutes. We need to record <laughs> this, so you be quiet. <laughs> He's like, what? At some point, and and this is where where David was telling me. He goes, you you need to talk to Nicole because she has this incredible story. Uh, at some point after marriage, then is when you ended up getting into an accident. Yeah. So we. Got married in February and then skip forward to June. There were a couple of his roommate, like his old roommates that we're both really good friends with, planned a hike. And we we call them sunrise summits. We do them all the time. And you go out and we'll drive from Edmonton down to Calgary, which is about a three hour drive. I guess we're going to Canmore technically. So about a four hour drive. We'll go there to where the mountains are and we'll hike during the middle of the night. We'll start around two, sometimes three in the morning in the middle of the summer. And we'll hike all night and then we'll get to the top of the mountain by the time the sun starts to rise. And so then you get to see the sunrise and it's beautiful and you take pictures and it's just like a fun bonding thing. And yeah, we love doing it. And then it's nice in the summer too, because it's not freezing cold. And then we'll come back down and then drive home afterwards. So we were going to do the sunrise summit and I was excited about it. And then Todd got called into work on the Saturday. So He was like, okay, you can go and I'll stay here. And I actually got him to sign like a permission form. I I was like, I feel bad because we're married and I'm going to go hang out with all our our (laughs) friends without you. So I made him sign this little permission form. And it was like, I, Todd, give Nicole permission to go without me. If anything (laughs) happens, call me at this number. And I just thought it was funny. He signed it and I slipped it in my pocket. And then we went and we did the hike with my friends. There were five of us in the car on the way down. After the hike, one of the guys that was in the back seat with us decided to go with his girlfriend. And so there was only four of us on the way back, which is already kind of part of the miracle of the whole accident. Tanner was driving and my friend Spencer was in the front seat, like passenger side. And then me and my friend Katrin were in the back. We finished the hike. We were super duper tired. I was like, hey, I'm going to fall asleep before we even start moving and I was like jokingly lying down and my friend was like, no, Nicole, like sit up like normal. <laughs> Otherwise you're going to slam on the brakes and you're going to like, you're going to tumble. And so he did slam on the brakes and kind of fell and you're like, okay, fine. We'll sit up like normal. So we sat up like normal, but we like my friend and I in the back fell asleep within a few minutes. We were just out. We got onto the highway. We started to drive back up towards Calgary. So it was only maybe an hour, hour and a half drive from the mountain to where we were going. And then we were going to get l- our breakfast with everybody and and then go back up from there. While we were driving, I remember just a couple of things. Um, Because I was asleep, and I woke up for like a split second, because I heard my friend Tanner, who was driving, say, hey, Nicole, like, put on your seatbelt. I didn't even realize I wasn't wearing it. So I was kind of still asleep. And I'm reaching for my seatbelt here, and I'm kind of sitting like a weirdo. So I'm like trying to grab it. And I'm trying not to like wake up too much, because I was super tired. So I was grabbing it, and apparently going like this, and so I woke up my friend that was beside me in the back and she looked and she's like, oh, she looks ridiculous wiping the seatbelt all over her face. So she pulls out her phone to record it. So I have this recording of like me putting on my seatbelt in the car and eventually I got it in. And then when she was recording me, she noticed that she had also fallen asleep before she put her seatbelt on. So she put hers on and based off of the timestamp of the video that she took of me putting on the seatbelts and the police report within 15 minutes, we crashed. Oh. 
So what happened is he also fell asleep because we were all super tired and no one was there to kind of help him stay awake. And so the driver fell asleep and we hit one of the barriers and we're going like 110, 120 because we're on the highway, hit a barrier and flipped the car. And then it rolled a couple times into the ditch. Hmm. And so the miracle of that is within within 15 minutes, um, we, we all had our seatbelts on. We all kind of woke up miraculously for that and then from there there was a car apparently like I was unconscious for this whole thing like from here on out this is what I heard later on in the hospital but yeah I got rushed off to the hospital and we were all okay um (laughs) but I was talking to my friends the two guys that were in the front seat when I was in the hospital I broke my spine and lacerated my liver I was in the hospital for a while And they were at home. They like one guy just had some scars on his face and one guy just he broke one of the bones in his foot. And I was calling them to just see how they were doing. And they wanted to see how I was doing because they knew I'd be there for at least a week. And I said, Tanner, thank you so much for telling me to put on my seatbelt because that like saved me. And he said, I didn't tell you to put on your seatbelt. I was like, Mm. what the heck? And so I was like, Spencer, did you tell me? Because it was a group call. He's like, no, like I didn't say anything. And I was, you guys didn't hear anything. You're like, nope. So we all kind of had a moment where we just didn't say anything. And we're like, we know that God was very aware of what was going to happen in that accident. And he came to me in the voice of somebody that I knew he knew I would trust too, because he knew I would listen to my friend Tanner. And so, yeah, that's the voice that I heard telling me to put on that seatbelt. And because I made such a big deal out of it, the other girl also was able to put hers on. So everybody was belted up and we were safe. And then after he was the guys were telling me all the other things that I'd missed out on. They said, yeah, you also missed it right behind us. There was a car full of med students that watched the whole crash and they're super trained med students, like almost doctors. They saw it. They pulled over immediately behind them. There was a car full of RCMP officers that were headed on site. So they pulled over immediately called the cops, got a bunch of ambulances to start coming over. The med students were doing head to toe checks on us, like making sure that we were okay because I was unconscious in the back, everybody else got out on their own. And my friend Spencer, he heard me, he came back to go grab me and help get me out of the vehicle. And as he was on his way, one of the med students like pulled him over and said, No, we got this. So the like trained professionals basically were the ones who carried my limp little body out and kept my spine in perfect alignment, which now I realize is a huge blessing, because if they wouldn't have, I would likely be paralyzed from part of my body down so because they did that I'm still able to walk and live life a lot easier than if that wouldn't have happened and yeah just so many more blessings my friend Spencer that was in the front he was kind of like curled up in a little fetal position so his feet were up on the seat and that's the part that got completely smashed under in the car Mm. so he if he would have had his feet down would have completely lost his legs but because of the way he was sitting was okay so there's just all Mm. these little miracles all over the place I don't want to create something that's not there, but is there animosity? Is there something towards the driver because he did fall asleep and this did happen? Absolutely not. That's one of the best things about the whole situation is that nobody at any moment or like even our families have ever said like one mean word because they all know him. He's just the best guy. And even like I was going through my texts the next day or something, I texted my mom and she said, Hey, make sure you drive safe. I was like, Oh, it's going to be fine. Tanner's driving. And I just kind of chuckled like in the hospital, like, yep, we're fine. Like, (laughs) and that's mostly because God is watching us, but also like 
we he's just the nicest guy and he cares so much about all of us and he's been checking up on us constantly and I I put a lot more blame on myself like I could have stayed awake and helped him stay awake like Mm -hmm. we kind of put a lot of pressure on him and and different things like that way over putting any sort of blame on him so that's I guess been a blessing is that I haven't had to struggle with forgiveness or anything it just came pretty immediately with regards to the uh, healing part after the accident um, for you, I mean, everyone else was already out of the hospital and here you're still stuck in the hospital. How was that for you? Uh, it sucked a little bit because it was like June 26th and Alberta opened up like the whole open for summer thing was on Canada Day. And yeah. so I had a bajillion parties that were going on on Canada <laughs> Day and things afterwards. And I was so excited because I hadn't seen a lot of my friends in a long time. And then I was in the hospital and I was like, oh, are you for real? And so I was kind of, I don't know, I wasn't like too upset, but it did, it did suck a little bit, but I had a pretty good attitude about the whole thing, I guess. And like, I was just calling people the whole time. Honestly, the hospital was great. <laughs> like you get free <laughs> Wi-Fi, people make food. But, yeah. So you have yeah. a broken spine and you have a lacerated liver. What does rehab look like from mm. that? like the hospital didn't suck, but I'll get into the part that did suck. So the liver, I feel like everyone just immediately forgot. I have one friend and to this day, his like joke is, Hey, how's the liver? Because no one ever talks about it. So he's the one guy who checks up on my liver for me. Like even the (laughs) doctors are like, yeah, whatever, it's fine. Um, But the spine, when I got out of the hospital, I was given a spinal brace and they call it a TLSO and it's for like thoracolumbar sacral Ah, uh, whatever the you can make like, whatever up. Yeah, you would okay. never know. <laughs> yeah. So basically, it covers from like right here on my neck all the way down to like my hips down here, and okay. so this whole entire chunk of my body was just one big brick. It was like a big piece of Lego, and I couldn't move. I couldn't bend. Like I couldn't even bend my like to sit down as much as I am right now. Yeah. And I was super duper like fantastic posture all the time. Like my shoulders were back because it kept my back kind of in this little extension position and it hurt so bad and I was in it for three months while my Mm. spine healed up again I couldn't I don't know I just feel like I couldn't do anything in it you can't bend when you're in it you can't put on your own shoes or also it's really hard to go to the bathroom like that sort of stuff like because you just can't reach and it sticks out a lot so I couldn't move my arm down or anything you have to wear really, really loose clothes that can actually fit over it. And it was in the middle of like that heat wave during the summer. So it was super hot all the time. Yeah. I noticed throughout those three months when I was out of the hospital living with the brace, that's when a lot of the like negative feelings and even kind of animosity almost got worse because I wasn't living in this hospital paradise. I was having to deal with like real life things and I had to go back to classes in person, which we haven't had for over a year and a half. With this brace feeling like I'm going to look like a freak and I have this weird shaped body and everyone's going to be looking at me and I don't know anyone anymore because I haven't been on campus in a long time. So I'm going to have to try and meet new people and what if they judge me and I also can't sit for very long even now without the brace. It's hard to sit for a while because like you just get worn out and it hurts and yeah like a lot of different things and I'm pretty dependent on other people as well like. I was like, what if I have to lift something and then, and then I can't and, you know, and all these little things going through my head. So that was pretty tricky. Uh, and it's still tricky after I got the brace off. I had zero muscles and I was just this floopy, floppy, constantly in pain. 
and really stiff as well because I hadn't moved for three months. And so I couldn't bend at all. I went to physiotherapy. You like cannot move. I was like, nope. <laughs> so <laughs> I've been going to physio. That's been helping a lot. Um, a physiotherapist is great. And that's kind of the post hospital summary, I guess. How is now? I mean, you're in this accident, you're dealing with all this post stuff, you're wearing this brace. How is navigating that and also then being a newlywed? I am so grateful. I am married. (laughs) More than anything. I we lived after I got out of the hospital for the first week, we lived at my parents' house because Todd still had, he had to go back to work. He was in the hospital with me for a while. Um, but he's like, yeah, I have to go back to work. So my parents helped to take care of me, but every morning, uh, so I would sleep without the brace, but if I was without the brace, I'd have to be sleeping like, like flat on my back, no moving around anything. If I needed to get up in the morning, I have to like, wake him up. Hey Todd, can you put me back in my brace? Or at the end of the day, can you take it off? If I had to go have a shower or something, I'd be like, Hey Todd, can you take it off, help me change and then put it back on so I can go into the shower. And then when I'm done my shower, I need to come out and then I need you to help me get in and out again and put clothes back on and everything while like lying flat like a brick. So I was extremely dependent on him. I remember sometimes he'd like go to work before I got fully dressed. And so I'd have to go upstairs to like my mom and be like, hey, mom, can you help me put on my pants? Because like, I can't reach them to put them on. And it was really embarrassing and I'm like I'm so grateful that I am married (laughs) and so like my mom doesn't have to help me with the shower preparations and stuff like that so definitely something that has strengthened our marriage like it was really hard and he definitely was burning out by month three he was like just tired and drained and he'd have to do a lot of extra work around the house because I'm like I can't help with cleaning I was limited in like my energy to help with like cooking and stuff like that so he was amazing and he helped so much, but also I could tell he was wearing down pretty quick at the same time, but I think it's something good. And we're like, for that to happen in the first year of being married, like anything can come now. Like we are set. <laughs> so I feel like it's a good kind of, I don't know. It was a good experience to have together. So you had said that Todd was noticeably getting tired and I mean, it had been a long three months. For him, did he have any sense of, um, not animosity, but just a little angst towards uh, Tanner or just the situation or God? He definitely didn't have anything towards Tanner. Tanner is like his best, one of his best friends. He was one of his groomsmen and they were roommates and stuff. So I'm, I know he didn't have anything negative towards Tanner. And I remember there was one day, like one evening where I started to say some stuff. I was like, what if this is like, I don't know. And I started to kind of go down that hill of almost starting to blame him. And Hmm. Todd just looked at me and he's like, okay, let's talk about this. (laughs) I can tell you're getting frustrated with this. And he, he was just so kind. And he's like, what if he's really struggling with this and kind of, I don't know, helped me during that it was only once, but yeah, he definitely helped me with that. So I know that Todd was, was pretty good, but as far as, and I know he was never mad at God. He's very like solid in, in his faith as well. Yeah. But with the situation, I'm pretty sure it's like, this sucks. <laughs> well, it's not <laughs> ideal. Like, this is not what I imagined, <clears throat> but like, I think it was okay because both of us, like we kind of took turns, I guess, with our exhaustion and our mental health. So we, we were able to still find a pretty good balance. And then in the in-between times, we would just laugh like so much. And um, that's another great thing about him is he finds humor in things. And so do I. And so we just laugh at how ridiculous every situation is. Like I well, multiple times, I got him to shave my legs for me. <laughs> 
So I'd be standing in the shower, trying to like aim the little hose at the right angle. And then he's like shaving my legs for me. <laughs> like, And it was just for us, like the most ridiculous thing. So we just laughed for like the whole 10, 15 minutes that it would take every single time. It wasn't ideal for him, but also like it wasn't the worst thing that could have happened. He was always m- multiple times. He'd be like, I'm so happy you're alive. Like, I'm so yeah. happy that Gosh, I'm yeah. able to still be married to you. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to the alternative. But I mean, as they said, weddings and sickness and in health. And I mean, being newlyweds, what a great way to rely on one another. What a great way to grow as a couple is to say, hey, listen, we've been dealt this situation. Now let's work at this as a couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a super teamwork kind of thing, which was kind of fun. When you got the brace up, was there nerves? And I wanted nerves in two different ways. Did you have nerves getting in back into a vehicle because of what had happened? And the nerves of also taking off the brace because this has been your protection for the last three months. And I know you wanted the dang thing off, but it's also like, (laughs) this is also a shield helping you heal. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I was terrified. I could not sleep for probably the three or four days before getting it off. I would just... And I remember those were probably the worst days too of having like flashbacks and nightmares and stuff. So I'd, I'd sleep and I'd wake up in the morning, like Todd, I just crashed like four times last night and Mm. I just wouldn't. And I think it's, it was the anxiety of getting the brace off because it was kind of this protection. And as much as I hated it, it like kept me safe and I always felt okay with it. And so the thought of getting rid of it was, was pretty terrifying. And when I did get it off, I feel like it was pretty accurate. I I felt like all naked and exposed and weak. And I feel like that's when my mental health went down a lot more too, because I didn't have this physical sort of protection. I felt like everything was out. And so mentally I went down like, like I was skiing down a slope or something when I got the brace off. And then physically I was just really frustrated because I was like my my friend who was in the back seat with me I was like this is where she was at at the beginning of the accident and this is where Mm. I'm at three months after and all my friends are healed and I'm like just now being able to start going to physiotherapy and just now starting like the actual progression and stuff so that was pretty frustrating and then a lot of other things kind of came into my like this is real and you know, this is what you have to live with. And you might have chronic pain for your entire life and constantly just be exhausted and, and have PTSD and stuff. But so that was really tricky. Um, in the last couple of weeks, though, I've noticed I'm starting to get better. Like I drove past a car crash. And like, I was okay. I drove past it. I didn't cry. I didn't freak out. I didn't have to pull over. I didn't have to mm. call my family or like take the rest of the day off. Like it was totally fine. So I, I got home and I texted on my family group. Chat. I was like, guys, I just drove past a car crash for the first time. And like, it was okay. So that was a really big milestone. And like other things are, are getting better. So yeah. Having gone to school for um, your kinesiology degree, did that help you at all in the, the mental healing process? Understanding like, oh, I know what ligament that is or or was it too much information? You knew too much and it just felt way worse. <laughs> I think it was good because if there's one thing I remember from, I'm trying to remember what class it was. It was like, I remember the room that I was in, but I don't remember what the name of the class was, but we were talking about sports injuries. And if there's one thing I remember from that, it was the best thing you can break is a bone because bones heal like mm-hmm. so quickly and so well versus ligaments and other things take a lot longer and it's a lot more difficult. So that kept me like really calm in the hospital. I was like, you're sure it's just the bone? 
Like I only broke the bone. <laughs> so, so that was really reassuring. And even now I'm like, Hey, I, I can potentially get pretty back to normal because it is just the bone. So I feel like it was pretty reassuring. And I also kind of had fun nerding out when they were like telling me they're diagnosing me with all these different things that happened. Show like, me the oh, chart. Show me the chart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of liked it. Oh, goodness. Well, the physical healing is one thing, but you've already touched on the emotional side of it and the psychological mm-hmm. side. And what's interesting about, you know, the pandemic, I feel like there's been so much more conversation about mental health. Did you find it easier to get resources and support to understand what was, help, uh, what was happening on the mental side of things as you were healing? Definitely. Yeah. Like I know even in my own family, no one really talked about mental health until recently last year with with COVID. And so that was just a huge starting place was being able to talk to to Todd about it, being able to talk to my sister and to my parents. And then when I would see my friends being able to talk to them really helped. Mm -hmm. And I remember one specific conversation I had with one of my friends also named Nicole. And I was just like, this is really getting frustrating because I feel like I'm the only one that has like any sort of mental or emotional problems from the accident and everyone else seems to be fine. And she looked at me and she's like, you should go talk to the guys because I think you think they're doing a lot better than they are. Mm. And because she'd already talked to them about that. She's like a huge mental health person. She's great. And so after that, I like called, I think I called Spencer first. I just said, Spencer, tell me how you're doing emotionally. He was like on a date with some girl and he's like, okay. And he like put it on pause. And I was like, so let's talk about PTSD. And he just got straight down to business and like talked about things that he'd been going through and anxiety attacks and panic attacks and stuff. And that, like helped me just knowing that I wasn't alone in it. Mm-hmm. And so since then, just being able to talk to the other people in the crash has helped like so much. And, and then from there being able to talk to, to just kind of other people in general, like this is what I'm going through and knowing that there are supports and nobody is going to judge me. If I see a psychologist for a while, that was kind of, I wasn't sure about that. And then I was like, hey, there's nothing wrong with seeing a psychologist. Like I can totally do that and it'll be okay. And so that was helpful. Also just, I follow lots of mental health pages. So seeing like little things come up in my feed of like what to do when you're freaking out, having an anxiety attack and like notice five things that you can see and things that you can smell and hear and going through the senses definitely helped in those like in the moment situations. And so, yeah, I'm super like grateful for the timing of this when mental health is being more talked about because yeah, it's definitely helped so much. Yeah, it's always important to talk about those sorts of situations. It, I think it just it helps you heal so much faster, knowing that you're not alone and that other people are struggling too. Um, you kind of mentioned the being aware of your senses. What was maybe one of the biggest things that you learned um, since the accident about your own mental health and and how do we emerge stronger? That's a good question. <laughs> it might it might take me a second. <laughs> Yeah, go for it. Like it, it's it's still pretty recent, but I feel like one of the things that I definitely did realize is I'm not invincible because mm. I've always been really happy and I've that's another thing that was hard with the accident is people know me as positive and I'm always smiling and they always say that you're the always happy person and you know they're like tag that friend that's always happy and then they always tag me and I'm <laughs> so I feel like I kind of had an expectation to live up to and mm for the first bit of the accident, I was fine. And I was okay. But then when it started to go downhill, I was like, now I have this conflicting, like, my mental health isn't good, but it's supposed to be part of my identity. And so there was almost like a mini identity crisis. 
so realizing that I'm not invincible was really helpful. And I think just understanding a lot more too how so many of my friends feel on a pretty regular basis is, is just useful to be able to empathize with them. And the importance of talking about it, like, is huge too. And then also remembering, like, the things that I've been told and that I learn about in school too that help to improve your mental health are the same things, like, whether you're having good mental health or bad mental health, because for a while I was like, why would I exercise, you know? And I'm like in school to do (laughs) talking about that all the time, but it just never occurred to me until one day I was late for class. So I booked it from one end of campus to the other. And so I sprinted for like five minutes and I got there. I was like, why do I feel so good? Like, (laughs) and then it clicked in my head, like you dingus, it's endorphins and you know this. And, and so then I was like, maybe I should start exercising and then maybe I should start watching what I'm eating as well. And maybe I should try to be social because for me, I'm an extrovert. So that's what I need. And, and so doing little things like that is important, whether or not, you know, depend regardless of your mental state. So being able to kind of get back into my more normal routine has helped a lot as well. Well, this is the Why Me Project podcast. And so I want to ask uh, you that question about why me? Have you ever asked yourself why me? And it may not be during the accident or post-accident, but just at any point in your life, whether it was in a, a valley or a mountaintop, did you ask why me? Yeah, there's a few times. <laughs> I feel like usually, I don't know, I feel like it's not usually in between. It's either when you're at the with the valley or the top of the mountain. But mm. yeah, thinking right now of a couple of the valleys, like when I was living in Peru, I remember I I lived with a lot of people with mental health problems and different difficulties. And that caused my own mental health to go down. And so I was pretty depressed for about a year which was really hard. And I remember thinking constantly, like, why me? Why am I with these people that, you know, like, just the way that we were, we were kind of organized into what we call companionships. And I was like, why am I with the one that, that is crazy and treats me like this and is manipulative and all these other things. And I just remember thinking like, or feeling like, Nicole, you, there's just so much for you to learn. And also you can give so much to this person to help them. And And so that's what helped me a lot during that time was knowing that like it would be worth it. And now like that I'm, you know, it's a couple of years later, I'm like best friends with that person. And that's really nice to see. And a lot of the time she'll go, Hey, you remember that thing that I did? Like, I'm really sorry about that. (laughs) And so it's kind of nice that she acknowledges it, but she's like, but thank you for treating me like just with so much love throughout that whole thing, that whole process, because that's what I needed. And it was, it was hard for both of us. So I think about that. And then similar with the accident, like I've had a couple moments where I was just like, why is this supposed to happen? Because the way that it miraculously went about, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that this was supposed to happen. Like, there's not really a doubt in my mind that it wasn't. But I wonder, like, why, why was it supposed to happen? And I think in a similar way, there's people out there who need love and who need support and empathy in a way that maybe other people might not be able to give them. And so that's something that now that I've lived through this, I'm able to to help with. And then even just contributing to a conversation. Like after I got back from Peru, I talked to other people who had been in similar situations. And, and some people were able to talk for the first time about experiences that they never were able to share before. And then now I'm able to, to kind of do a, the similar thing, I guess. So I think that's, that's some of the why of, of this whole thing. 
We got a big shout out to our, our good friend, uh, David, for saying, hey, you got to talk to Nicole uh, on Insta at Nicole underscore B-L-O-M-M. We appreciate you taking some time sharing your heart and uh, also your journey on recovery. Thanks. Anybody and everybody, when it comes to our podcast, we want to talk to you. We'd love to hear your story. And in those hills and valley moments, Holly, where we're asking God that question, why me? Why am I put in this situation? Yeah, that's why I love this podcast so much because everybody's story is unique. It's special. And you just never know how your unique story is going to encourage somebody else, maybe out of a a valley that they might find themselves in. But I mean, think about this though. Uh, A, you're in an accident, which is already like, that's Mm -hmm. difficult. B, you're newly married, which by the way, that's difficult. Now you have to combine the two. And they just seem to, I I mean, they just seem as a couple, this is just going to, I think, strengthen their marriage even more. They're the kind of couple that could tackle a home renovation their first year of marriage. (laughs) They could do (laughs) Ikea furniture. (laughs) Which, by the way, if you're newly married, we don't suggest. Don't do that. Sometimes even being married, we don't suggest doing that. It took me and my husband 10 years to tackle Ikea furniture together, but we made it. That is that is therapy at its finest. (laughs) But uh, thank you to everybody who uh, listens, who sends us messages uh, on the Twitter, on Facebook, on um, where where are we? Email. Yeah. uh, Why me project at outlook.com. We're on podcasts. We have brand new news and stuff, too. Don't we, Holly? We absolutely do. We are on now Edify, another platform, which is very exciting. Uh, And if you want to partner with us, maybe be a sponsor. Make sure you let us know. You can email us. us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we want to do big things with this. <laughs> yeah, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, a lot of places, uh, podcast wise, and of course, Faith Faith Strong, Strong Today, today dot, dot com. com. <laughs>